Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host, Elliot Graybeard, a.k.a. Full Choke from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing tonight, Elliot? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I've been on the Facebook page, and we had a really, really good question that I wanted to start off with asking you. When are you going to start the intro with um, using your nickname? <laughs> well, whenever I guess you do the intro. <laughs> I just think if you were if you were being fair and true, you would go ahead and be like, this is Oak Nuts with the scratchy balls. <laughs> this like is that. Oak Nuts coming at you from the forest. <laughs> One hand in my pants. <laughs> I think that would be much more fair. So is my nickname officially now full of Uh, I think so. Kind of makes sense to me anyway. No more graybeard. Yeah, I mean, there's I'm graybeard's never gonna die, but I mean, ever since you trimmed it off, it's just less noticeable. Did you even release the episode when we talked so much about the ghost? Are you gonna even release that? I don't know yet. It was a little rough. That was a good conversation. That was a good conversation. It was. Maybe the first half, the first 30 minutes is, is fine. Yeah, I'll have to go through it and see what I can do. I thought that was a really interesting conversation because I think out of all of our out of all of our conversations, we were pushing each other the hardest on that one in, in a in a very non-defensive friendly way. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was an interesting interesting conversation. Yeah, I definitely agree. Gotta get that sucker out. <laughs> then the full joke name will make a little more content. A little better understanding. Yep. All right. Well, um, today's episode is going to be um, our year in review. It is actually the first podcast after we're both completely done hunting, I guess, is there any chance you'll be out for goose hunt in the next three days? Yep, there is, actually. I am. <laughs> I am. My desire to just relax at home and get rest is officially over. That didn't last so, long. <laughs> no. Well, it lasted two weekends. That's pretty long. I mean, you know. So, yeah, I've got, actually, a four-day weekend. And so I'm going to try to do something. I may just. At the very least, I'm going to go look for your um, dog collar remote control that you lost in the woods on our last hunt. And so, at the very least, I'm going to drag my six floaters down in there because we've got major cold, so I know it's frozen, and just hope that hole's still there and sit up with six floaters and see what happens. That's the least what I do. But I'm, I'm actually thinking about maybe running the river and doing a full-scale, full-scale goose hunt. Or also, I might have an opportunity to snow goose hunt. So I'm, I really think I'm going to do something this last weekend because I all of a sudden got the big time itch back. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully you get out on it. Hopefully, um, you get out on it, and hopefully you can still find Murray Moat too. <laughs> but if not, it, it it played out perfectly because uh, Golden Boy and his and Golden Dad were going to Corn's Pond last 
last uh, Sunday morning. And uh, we started going to a new church. We were struggling to find a church we liked, and we started going to a new one that I really, really liked, but I had missed it quite a bit because of hunting. And so I really didn't want to miss church on Sunday, but all of a sudden my desire to hunt came back like Saturday afternoon. And so I'm like throwing hints down on my wife about, you know, it sure would be nice, you know, and because I was kind of seeing what the home ramifications would be if I skipped church on Sunday, even though I did really want to go. And so I, I just realized, you know what, I'm fine. I don't need to go. And they got skunked Sunday morning. So the Lord blessed me by sending them. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> I wasn't happy with that, but it did make it easier. You know, if you decide not to go, it's the limit. You're happy for them, but you're like still frustrated you didn't go, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not salty really about it. And if you don't, if they get skunked, you're like, ah, well, I didn't miss much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of when the desire came back, and it's been building all week. And so I'm going to do something Saturday for sure. Okay, cool. Well, our, we're going to do our year in review minus Elliot's Saturday. So hopefully you don't, like, shoot any bands or shoot five birds or anything, like, super memorable that we're going to miss from our review. Well, I guess you probably think hopefully you do do that. But um, <laughs> uh, but before we jump to the actual podcast, let's go ahead and give a big thanks to a couple of our partners. Um, first, we got HDR Innovations. Um Make sure to check out HDR Innovations at hdrinnovations.com. I said HDR Innovations a lot there, right in a row. Um, but I'll share with you guys, one of my favorite products from them is the HDR Marsh Stand. Um, and if you don't know what that is, it's a little stand. You stick it in the mud, you put your gun on it, you put your ammo on it, you put your game strap on it, your blind bag. It's perfect for marsh hunts. Um, something I've been thinking about a lot, you know, here, late season, goose. And believe it or not, I'm already getting the itch to get back in some of those uh, stinky swampy marshes um, of early season and kind of reminiscing on the beginning of my season, which um, which from early season, you know, I did that a lot with the marsh stand, having that in there for my wood duck hunts or early season marsh hunts. Um, just perfect for that. Nothing gets in the mud. Everything's dry. Keeps your gun out of there. Keeps it grip-free grip and cycling like a champ. So, um, definitely check out the HDR Innovations gun stand and use code DuckGun10 for 10% off and free shipping. As we've been uh, talking about Bandit, uh, H or GHG, and um, Avery products a lot this season, and I want to take just a second to talk about something that's going around online. There's just kind of this memes and myths going around about Bandit waiters being leaky. Let me give you a little bit of history about that. Uh, the banded 1.0 waders came out. I did not have a pair, but my understanding was that a lot of them leaked and all that. Well, but they came out with two new pairs. One's a 2.0, and they've got a more advanced one that has some extra features. So they're basically the same new wader. And I'll tell you, I have had four of those waders. Jordan has had one. And out of those five waders, we have not had a single leak issue throughout the entire season. Uh, there's been one pair that I had that I punched the hole in. In fact, I punched the hole in two pairs. They were both my fault. Um, ran into a barbed wire fence on one and, and sat around all those. I cut up the back of it on these locust thorns. But as far as it being faulty waders, leaky waders, we did not have a single problem. And Jordan and I hunt hard. We go through brush. Jordan's been on twice as many hunts as I have. So 
get out of your mind right now that Band-Aid waiters are leaky and no good. It's simply, from our personal experience, absolutely false. And they are comfortable. I will never go back to neoprene. So as you're looking for new waiters, Band-Aid.com has those um, 2.0. Definitely think about those, especially if you want to go away from the neoprene and go to those three of the bowls. And their customer service is phenomenal as well. Actually, they uh, patched one of my set of waiters, and I actually thought that I thought one pair had had leaky issues. I didn't realize that I had punctured it, sent it back, and they said, "Well, you had punctured them in the back. What worked? They patched it up for me, sent it back. Just great customer service." So, uh, make sure and keep that in mind as you're looking for your waiters for the next season. Awesome. Also, as usual, guys, big thanks to you guys the listeners, the viewers of the live stream, and the listeners of the podcast. Um, we really appreciate you guys tuning in week in and week out and sticking with us and supporting us and everything we do. Um, so big thanks to you guys. Um, we couldn't do it without you. So let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. So giving you guys a little bit of the outline before we jump into it, we're just going to talk about our season review, kind of um, looking back on it, um, and then from there, we have in the Fellowship of the Duck Gun, our Facebook group, um, I dropped a post over there asking for people's questions about our season, and we're going to go ahead and grab some of those at the end. So if you guys want to participate in future um, podcasts in that way, um, we do a little bit of the You Ask, We Answer segments here and there, which, you know, looking at the questions ahead of time, it's one of my favorite things because it, it really takes a lot of the pressure off of us kind of figuring out what we want to talk about, and there's just tons of questions we probably wouldn't have thought about otherwise that are in there so um definitely head over there fellowship the duck gun on facebook and join us for some of the hunting conversations all right so let's go ahead elliot um season in review what do you think man well it was a definitely an interesting season for me, it was different than any other kind of season I've had. Um, we had so much water here in Kansas, and on top of that, the old FDH crew is kind of disbanding a little bit. So I hunted with so many different people that I've never hunted before, which was fun and interesting to see kind of how different people do it. Um, but just to sum it up, it was a very successful season. Um, I ended up shooting a lot of mallards at the end. Lot of uh, teal midseason, so it was it was a good year. Ended up averaging over three ducks a hunt. Um, definitely a really really solid season. Going into the season, I was hoping to that with all with all the bad conditions and bad habitat around here, I was hoping to at least end up somewhere in the seventies with my bird count and I ended up around ninety two. Um, so I'm I'm extremely happy with with how it all played out. Awesome. Yeah, I can say personally for me. Um... That it's just, uh, I've said it a few times here, and I think it, I mean, honestly, it's true. It feels like this season's going to be a season of a lifetime. Um, you know, I got out on a ton of hunts, and not only that, but I had a lot of successful hunts. Um, there's definitely people who, who you know, would have had more successful hunts. So I, I don't want to, like, over-exaggerate how it was. But it was it was my best season as far as um, numbers go, um, and I got to go a ton of places and meet a lot of people um you know the flyway collective that was a really cool part of the season and coming out to kansas i think i came out to kansas this season more than um i ever had before either because made it out for teal and i made it out for the flyways collective november so i made a september trip uh 
November trip and a January trip. So it was every other month all the way through the season. So um, that was pretty cool as well. Um, but, yeah, it was just – and, you know, there's a lot of things I can mention about it too. I mean, I got my first band, then I got my second band, and then I got my third band. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I really I, I agree with kind of my statement that it, it's a season of a lifetime. Um on the numbers, which numbers aren't everything, but it's good to have milestones and good to track it in a way that is easy to see and understand. I mean, I shot 129 birds out of my 52 hunts, and last year I believe my number was 67 out of 49 hunts. So I was five birds away from doubling my my birds from last year and just three more hunts. So I knew at one point um, – that I was going to be close to getting that or <laughs> shoot the double of the birds. Um, it didn't quite turn out that way, but you know, it doesn't really have to, I mean, that was just an awesome season altogether. Um, you know, I just tried so many different things that I hadn't tried before and always getting better and learning and kind of before season, I knew one of my off season goals was with chief, um, getting him, um, getting him better off, um, trained up for the season, and he, I mean, it was like hunting with a different dog this year. He was, he did so good. I mean, obviously, we didn't have, we ended on a bad note with the last time we had some difficulties, but, uh, um, do you have a chance to see that video yet, Elliot? No, I haven't. I saw it came out, but I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you'll know a little bit what I'm talking about once you get to see it. Um, you kind of told me about it a little bit. Yeah. I talked to you on the phone about it. I think I was the day after, um, when I was driving, but, um, Oh yeah, an update. I think I I don't think I ever updated from the video. If you guys watched the video, lost the phone, couldn't find it. Well, I drove back the next day. I actually took the GPS location and did the sound alert, and Kevin um, was able to run out to the field and, and find it. So um, did get the phone back, but that's a that's another story. So, um, but yeah, ended on a little bit of a bad note. But as the season as a whole, looking at Chief, I mean, he did so good. He made so many retrieves. He hunted so good. His drive was up. A lot of things that I wanted to do, he did better on. So, um, you know, definitely it just feels like everything from the season is positives um, on my on my side. And I'm not saying everything's perfect. Definitely can improve on myself, on my dog, on my shooting, on my calling. I mean, there's just a ton of things I could say. But, you know, overall it's just like I felt like I, I made leaps and bounds on myself and my – my hunting abilities and hunting success this year. Definitely, definitely a much better season for you. So have you looked at, and I don't know if you know this, but on the Freelance Hunt Stat site, you can actually sort by state. Have you taken a look at what your Kansas numbers are for the year this year? I did at one point. Um, I know I'm I did. looking at it right here. It's pretty good. It's really good, actually. You ended up with uh, eight hunts. 35 harvested, which is over just 4.3 ducks per hunt. You shot in eight hunts, eight different species, shot over 50%. So, I mean, you did really, really well. We always kind of think of, you know, your Kansas hunts as not as successful as maybe what we'd like them to be. But when you look at the numbers, <laughs> they're not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. How many say, how many birds did I shoot? Uh, say 43. Yeah, 40, 35 total birds shot in 800. Okay, 35, gotcha. Yeah. And if you guys want to see these stats, this actually, we, we keep our tracks track of our stats. We're using Elliot's site, Freelance Hunt Stats. 
Um, you know, and I do a pretty good job of tracking my shots fired, my species. Um, I don't, Elliot probably kicked me for this, but I don't always put the weather in there. Um, and the wind direction and all that. But I, I try to keep track of the location, the shots fired, and the species and the day they were shot on. So that's my main stats I keep track of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you certainly are going to add a lot more enjoyment in the long run if you keep the weather in there just for learning patterns. And like I, I just continue to do better on cloudy days and sunny days personally, and it bucks the trend. Um, but it's just so fun to look. I've got your lifetime camping stats here, which are pretty decent as well. 12 hunts, 44 birds, 3.6 birds per hunt. So it's funny. we got to get out of our heads. Uh, you don't do very well when you come down to Kansas. We're wanting you to have these monster limit hunts of, like, mileage and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you, you shot 10 breaks down here. You're averaging over three and a half birds a hunt. So that's pretty good. Yeah, and so I think the thing on the Kansas hunts, though, it's like I really do want to get a Kansas mallard limit. And, um, you know, the till numbers are a little inflated because you guys let me shoot as far as, like, the hunts yeah. would go. I definitely shot more. more. I think I had the high number of till in the group, which I really appreciate. You guys were awesome in letting me, you know, taking those birds. Um, but, and then the flyway hunts, we did have some really good hunts. and. Um, shot some cool species on that. And then even our ice will hunt. I mean, I shot what? I shot three there. And mm-hmm. I can't remember what I shot the day before. A few. Did I shoot three on that day too? I think so, yeah. Okay. So I couldn't remember what I what I put in the stats with the splits and all that included. I didn't I didn't end up counting the goose towards my stats on that day. Yeah. After watching my shot cam. <laughs> pretty pretty Did sure. You, I, did you think your shot came just a little bit later? No, I mean it looked I it looked like I just shot in front of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's I don't know 100% for sure, but yeah. Somebody killed him. <laughs> Somebody did. I did count that one online. It's just it's so hard to tell. Yeah, I try the one thing I try to do when you're keeping track of the stats as long as I'm cuz you're just keeping track for yourself, right? As long it's yeah. not like I'm like competing in the NBA and somebody's going to be mad if I do it one way or the other. But as long as you keep it consistent with yourself, mm-hmm. then that's what really is going to matter over the long haul. Kind of figuring out, you know. So I just try to be consistent with myself on that. Yeah, and like I tell Aiden, when you're keeping uh, numbers like that, you can't always err on the side of your favor. You know. Yeah. Because that in the long run, that's going to inflate things. Yeah, I mean, you could, and if you always do that, then, uh, well, that'll be your kind of baseline. You'll look a lot <laughs> – your stats will look better, but, yeah. um, you know, instead of being, like, uh, at plus 15 one year on a good year um, because you counted every single split in your favor, then the next year, if you had a bad season, well, there's only five splits that you could count anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of what I mean about being consistent. You know, if you're consistent <laughs> with yourself, as long as you do it, you're like, every single split – I'm going to take it. Well, I mean, as long as you're doing that with your own numbers, then then one spot, like as far as you you know, you're, you're looking at like how you do um, at spot A versus spot B, you know, I mean, you get the idea of what I'm saying. So yeah, not yeah. not to get too far off in this rabbit trail about <laughs> how we track our, our stats, but, uh, you know, definitely a cool tool to have kind of looking at the season in review. 
it, it, it certainly is. I've been doing it for quite a while. And it's just so, it just adds more memory. You know, some people are, are against it. They're like, well, it's not all about the numbers. No, of course it's not. It's about the experience. But some of us are extremely obsessive about thinking about this waterfowl hunting we do. And it's just another way to spend more time daydreaming about it, thinking about it, you know, on board. Oh, I'm going to go around and sort through the filters, check weather. It's just another way to play around with water, with the waterfowl hunting that we love to do. Yeah. You know. No, I totally agree. But, yeah. Um, I guess let's just kind of hop back and talk about them in sections. So, like, early till season, you know, for me, I went up to Michigan. Um, then I came to Kansas. I did a little bit of early – um, goose hunting in Michigan. I didn't get to do um, any early hunting in Indiana. I didn't make it out for the goose hunting or the till hunting because, you know, I had work in the week, and then I was taking long extended weekends for um, going to Kansas, and then I don't think I took any time off going to Michigan for the hunting, um, but I can't remember. But, yeah, um, you know, I had a ton of fun doing that, and Honestly, uh, I, the, my best hunts in early season, you know, I shot, we shot 11 geese out of a field, a hay, uh, a, a wheat field, actually. Um, no, it wasn't a wheat field. I can't remember now. I think it was actually just a hay field in Michigan. And then my best teal hunts, you know, obviously with, with you out there in Kansas, um, on the last, last day we shot a good pile. Um, you, me, and Ben from Foul Front, and uh, Aiden, and Fumbles. So, um, that's kind of my, my early season, um, uh, man, it doesn't, it seem, it seems to me that that's like so long ago. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. It man, seems like forever ago. It does. It feels like it's not even like this year, but there's just so much that happened in between it. Cause I know we both stay so busy and then we hunt so much that it just, it's just crazy. And it just goes by so fast. I and mean, it seems like a long time ago, but it's gone by so fast. That's the weird about it, weird thing about it. I find the older I get, the faster days and weeks and months. I remember like being younger, you're like, oh man, six months away. And now I'm like, oh man, six months, that's nothing. <laughs> it just things go so fast. Is it, uh, how many months so is fast. it till season? Like five and a half? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Gotta Our be right. May, June, July, August. Yeah, probably. It's a little more than six. Really? Yeah. How can it be, though? Because it wasn't September. March, April, May, June, July, August. To the end of August would be six, and then, yeah, so six. Oh, okay. Count them out. About half a year. Yeah. So. That's good. Well, my, my early season, in fact, I think if I was just going to put a label on the season, it would just be completely unusual. Um, I think of a better word than unusual. But <laughs> it was just a very, very strange season. I mean, we didn't have a very good teal season, and the teal would just not come down out of Nebraska. And I've never, ever experienced that before. We had all this rain just destroying habitat um, in Kansas, where the rainwater basin in Nebraska, rain really helps that area. They really can't get too much rain up there. And so the teal, and to a lesser extent, even some of the early migrants, the widgeon, the gadwall, the pintails, they didn't want to come out of Nebraska. So we actually really struggled during teal season. And one thing I guess that made it a little harder is we're hunting in big groups. I mean, we shot, I think, 14 on day one, where in years past, it's just been my dad and I. If you have two guys, you limit out there, but we had five. And it was a fun hunt, but, you know, we've been 
past few years, man, we've just been shooting unlimited number of seal. And then that problem of not having seal extended throughout the entire September. Um, finally, the birds kind of started to get here mid-October. And the opener out there, we still didn't have great hunts. Um, there just was never as many birds in that part of the state as what there normally was. So I'd say they really didn't get here in force until the flyways collected in November. So the early season for me was not horrible. I mean, I was shooting about two and a half birds a hunt, shot 10 blue wing, eight green wing, and a wood dove. But it was just not like you normally expect it. Um, for the early season around here, just all because of the habitat, all because of the habitat, really. Yeah, yeah. No, that's unfortunate, but you know. But you know that that first time we went, we stayed at the cabin with our wives, with you and myself and Ben from Southfront. That was a really enjoyable weekend. I, I wish we could do that again where we weren't hunting, actually, because we didn't really get to experience and have fun at the cabin, really. Yeah, it's know? almost like, well. It's almost like we and we have this the same thing kind of with the flyway. Um, the problem is that we all have day jobs and work, and we don't and we have all the rest of waterfowl season. We're trying to save times and maximize uh, ability to travel and all that. At least that's what I'm doing with my my vacation days, and I know you do that as well to some extent. But uh, so the problem is that we just don't have enough time because it's. I think it's fine that we hunt, but then like it's like. Uh, you know, it's the opener. We're rushing for spots, and like we got—I mean, we got out there like way early, and then you're just dead um, the rest of the time when you're back there, and then you're doing it again. And we're scouting, and um, it's almost like it'd be better to do it like in the middle of the week or something weird, you know. But then I don't yeah. know. You don't know how it's going to. I line always up. try to wrap wrap my off days around weekends to maximize the problem. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's, that's the always problem. the thing, like you're saying. It is, but we—I mean, the lodge. It wasn't a cabin we were staying in. It was a lodge, and it's just beautiful. And I mean, there was just no teal there. We found two good batches of teal, and you know, there's 150 plus hunters out there on opening day. So like, we're gonna get one of those spots. So we didn't even sleep. Jordan and Gold and I, we got there, talked by 10 o'clock. We headed to the marsh. We took sleeping bags and and uh, just laid out there. And so yeah, that defined the whole weekend with not having a lot of energy and being tired. Yeah. No, it, it was, was like, certainly a fun weekend. It was a, it was a fun weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It, I just think if we had like a couple more days, but yeah. it's like you said, like we don't have the vacation days to support that, but maybe someday when uh freelance duck hunting is, you know, as big as duck dynasty and all that, you can, yeah, <laughs> we'll just go stay at the duck dynasty or the, the freelance ranch and, that might be in the afterlife. That would okay. be the perfect heaven. <laughs> this is heaven, Jordan. We're high five. <laughs> would our wives be standing over there with their arms crossed or what? <laughs> no, because they could just open a door and walk right into Target. Oh, okay. That's their heaven. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if your wife likes Target, but man, mine certainly does. <laughs> My wife doesn't like spending money. Well, mine's good at not spending money. I mean, she's not she's not the type that just goes out and buys and buys. However, if we had a lot more money, she would certainly enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, got anything to add on that, Elliot? On the on the early till or? Nope. I th- I think that's about it. I got only I got in from September October. I was able to get out eight times. 
How mm-hmm. many times did you get out during during that? Um, you I got, got out, out quite 13. a few. Thirteen is what you were at. Yeah, and I was able to do that traveling to Michigan and, and doing early season goose hunts and. You say what was it? What was the dates again? You said. I I did um, all of September and then all but I stopped at like the twenty fifth of October. Yeah, and so kind of the the early October, um, I was chasing the flyways too, which kind of that defined, um, the beginning part of my season. That's a good segue into that. So, um, one thing I was super pumped about was, um chasing the flyways and I actually missed my first stop because I had the surgery um there right after I got back from um Kansas so I missed my first opener weekend doctor's orders I I still wanted to go but they didn't want me to so I didn't my wife really didn't want me to go either <laughs> but you know it's probably better to not die so yeah that's a, that's an advantage yeah um, but yeah, the chasing the openers was so much fun. I think I'm going to do that at least to some extent every year. Um, because I was able to chase it through Michigan, even if I just do the three stops I did, which I'd love again to, to make an attempt to get up there to the UP. And I had an invite from Zach, um, up there and I couldn't make it. So I know they shot a banded mallard and had a pretty good hunt. So I've been been thinking about that all season that you know if i if i have the ability to get up there i'd still like to do the up again this next season um but really that the first start i mean to the season it was just gun ho going traveling going up to marshes in michigan um and then going the opener with kevin um you know did the marsh with ryan and then the southern zone opener with kevin and then i got back to the hdr crew on the Indiana opener, and then the week after that, I ended up staying instead of going to Central Zone, Indiana. Um, but we had really good hunts just to start the season off. So, um, you know, early on, I knew it was going to be a much better season than the year before, just after my October. So, like you said, I had 13 days, and a lot of those were traveling around to some of those openers. Yeah, and it's interesting because in that span, you shot nine mallard drakes and eight geese, and I shot zero mallards and zero geese. <laughs> so it just goes to show you the difference of being up a little up farther up north. Yeah, and it's, it's quite a bit, I believe, especially when yeah. I when I go up in, in Michigan. I'm halfway up Michigan. I mean, I'm trying to think what, what what's that in line with, um, with you because it'd be just south of the Dakotas. <laughs> So, it's north of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm thinking of what would be in line with you that's north of you, like in your flyway. Yeah, so, that's like the top of Nebraska or maybe the bottom yeah, of so. bottom of South Dakota. Probably not that far up, but yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean that was kind of my mid season right there, and that led all the way up to the Flyways Collective, um, which awesome Kansas hunt and all that. So. I mean, it was really, really a great mid-season. Or, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's weird because we got early season till now. Um, and then openers, the duck openers. So, like, is duck opener still early season? It kind of is. It's just not till season. So, like, the beginning of big duck was really good. Um, with all my travels going up to Michigan, that was awesome. Even the opener here and the week after that. I mean, we shot so many geese this year, too. I shot more geese than I've ever shot before. 
I mean, I shot more everything this year than I've ever shot before. Um, but, yeah, kind of leading all the way up to the Flyways Collective, like I was saying. We had awesome time in Kansas. Shot even more species up there, redhead. Um, we didn't get a ton of mallards, but, you know, great hunt there. Um, but how was, how was your openers, Elliot? Well, I had a really interesting opportunity to have Joel Strickland come up with us on um, our opener. And he is from the Surviving Duck Season YouTube channel. And he is, has a um, production company. And he's, he's a professional videographer, unlike myself, who's very amateurish. Uh, but that was such a cool experience. And that, that I, I consider to me that starting off the mid-season kind of big duck openers. Um, and you're talking all of September and most of October for what I think of as early season. And so that weekend with Joel, again, we didn't do as well as what I had hoped, but it was a lot of fun. We did a lot more scouting. Um, we were camping out. Those mid-season camp trips that we do, I'd love to get you in on one of those sometimes. They're just so enjoyable. There's just something about a weekend trip where you're just hunting and camping and sitting around a yep. fire that I, I just I just can't get enough of those experiences. We do that about two or three times a year so that certainly started off great. The hunting wasn't fantastic that weekend but it was good enough that um, you know, we really enjoyed ourselves and then that rolled right into the Flyway Collective which you know um, I think was really really successful. Everyone got along. Everyone, just a, everyone there was just a great guy, fun to hunt with and although it was a little hectic you know I think we ended up extremely successful on our hunts and and yeah just that kind of was just a whirlwind the whole thing just traveling so much and hunting with so many different new guys yeah unique experience for me because in my scouting i'm trying to find three different scouts for three different groups and, and so that that's when the hunting really started to heat up for me mm. um, and during that time and during the section of like october clearing to the beginning of december you know i was i hunted 11 times, shot 43 birds, almost a four bird average. So I, I really started to hit my stride as far as successful hunting during that section. Yeah. No, yeah, it's definitely, I know before that you were kind of getting a little jealous of Indiana and when, when that's happening, I know something's really going wrong in Kansas. So, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. like you said, after that, you just kind of took off and was rubber the road there. Yeah, that was really the hot stretch. It really all started on the last, the last seal hunt was when things started to turn around. That was one of my favorite hunts of the year because we scouted the day before and we saw like 15 seals. And it's my dad, Nate, and I, we were camping out for a night, two nights. And man, I mean, it just looked so bleak. I was just hoping to shoot a bird. And then we got a little tip from my buddy down there and he's like, oh, here's where I saw him yesterday. And we went in there, and Abe and I shot our limit, and it was just such an enjoyable hunt. That was one of my favorite hunts of the year. It's, it's you know, when you expect to shoot the limit, it's, it, obviously, if you do shoot the limit, it's enjoyable. But when things are going bad, and you don't think you're going to have a good hunt, and then all of a sudden you smash them, that's such an exhilarating feeling. <laughs> and that, it, it, I just love that feeling, where it just comes out of nowhere. You're, yeah. like, you're like, all right, this is working. Yeah. I had a good midseason for sure. Oh yeah. And that's kind of it's kind of funny because that's literally when it turned off for me. Um after I got back from the Flyways Collective, 
um, we got to can- or back to Indiana, and we had a huge snowstorm. All the birds pushed out. And, uh, I mean, I don't think, and I have to look at the stats, but I don't think after the fly was collective, I'm pretty sure I didn't shoot more than, like, okay, I did I did go on the, I think I went on the diver hunt. Yeah, I went on the diver hunt up on the Great Lakes. But after that, after that, um, I'm pretty sure, like, puddle ducks and the normal hunts, I think I shot, like, six birds in a month and a half or something. It, it was less than 10. So it was crazy from November through all the way through December. Um yeah, you were 17 hunts, 1.8 birds a hunt. Yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. That was a rough stretch. <laughs> Just think if you'd had a good stretch in there, what your season would have been enough like. Oh, yeah. No, it'd been, it would have been in an insane season. It was already really, really good. But does that include the diver hunt, or can you take that off? Um, I, would, I don't know what the – that does include the diver hunt. Yeah, so if you take um, that off, it's going to be like – it's going to be like point zero birds or something stupid. Yeah. But, man, you shot lights out during that time frame. You're at 65%, so you were really popular. <laughs> and going on a diver hunt, those hunts are hard shooting. Yeah, well, they didn't seem too bad. I mean, they're flying straight at us and really close shots. So, I don't know. I never asked you, was there, like, waves to where you brought up your gun and it was, like, rocking? Yeah, but it wasn't like – you see, like, some of the ocean ones where they, they lose sight of the bird. It wasn't like that. But it was like okay. the waves were enough that it was, like, hitting the back of it and crashing into our boat and getting us wet. So, yeah, I mean, they were – it was really choppy, little white caps, I would say. So, um, yeah, on that one. But, yeah, so kind of continuing on with that. I mean, with the midseason, that – I mean, it was – even through our late split, I mean, it was starting to get really frustrating – um, because I think I told you that it was like one of my longest stretches of skunks even in there, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is hard to believe with the season I ended up with. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think now what, what happened to the end of it, but I'm, I thought at one point I was going to be able to get a hundred ducks and I didn't end up getting that. Um, but really kind of what saved the season, I shouldn't say saved it. It was, if it would have ended there, it would have been a really good season, a really successful and fun season. Um, but you know, Indiana having the late season goose, I mean, I hit it hard in late season goose and I, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm probably jumping, jumping the gun here cause, uh, we need to continue up to that. So let, let's get, we need to continue on years before we jump to the late season goose, I think. But, um, yeah, so we'll get back to the late season goose, but it was awesome. So, um, kind of bring us up to speed on your season, Elliot, up to there. With for my, my mid season. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, through yeah, after well, the flyways and yeah yeah after the flyways i really i really struggled we came back um all of my hunting at this point had been in central kansas and i live in eastern kansas and eastern kansas as i've talked about a lot on the podcast we just had i mean flooding like i don't know if there's there we were flooded for six months straight i mean crazy flooding we had zero good duck habitat other than some cornfields as far as the water it was just there was nothing out there for them so finding birds was really difficult and i was hearing about people finding pockets the birds of everything but i mean you just had to find find those little pockets and it wasn't easy at all so we went through kind of a rough stretch there after the flyways where we had one really good hunt the next hunt after the flyways that's when i brought simeon out for his one hunt of the year and he shot a mallard limit (laughs) he really got lucky yeah. But after that, we were just struggling. We were just seriously struggling. Um, in fact, we started to make 
overnight trip, not not overnight trips, but the same night trips back to Central Kansas, where we were like, Aiden would find birds, and we were like, all right, we're gonna get up at one o'clock, drive the three and a half hour drive, hunt, and then drive it back, which is honestly a kind of dangerous thing to do when you're talking about highway driving. But it was just so bad around here that we started having to do that. So um, I really struggled during during that section, and that's normally when we're shooting all our mallards. So I started to feel like I started to feel like the season was not a successful season, even though I was able to find hunts here and there where I went to Corn Pond once and shot um, six gadwalls in about five minutes. And so I was finding some hunts where I was clipping some birds to keep my keep my numbers decent, but it really felt like, man, this is going south fast. Yeah. Um, so I was I was what I was craving for was mallards and i just wasn't shooting them i had only shot like 13 mallards going into january for the season and i was just craving craving that and, and feeling bummed about not getting into really solid mallard mm-hmm. yep yeah i definitely remember that and uh you were expressing that that feeling um but they they definitely were to come there at the end <laughs> yeah yeah so that kind of gets yeah, you through december come. right Mm-hmm. So the one hunt I forgot to talk about in December, the very I think it was the last day of hunting. No, it was the the last Saturday of hunting in December. Um, when Michigan, their south zone. I don't know if it's the whole state, but their south zone has um, a late season split. There's only two days, a Saturday and Sunday, whereas Indiana North Zone has it, and it's nine days. And it's just you know the way they have the same exact number of days they can hunt but it's just how each state and zone decides to split theirs up to equal the 60 days. So um, that hunt was the Mallard limit hunt. or not? Well, yeah, we did limit, I believe. Yeah, we limited. But, uh, you know, the shining star of that hunt was the banded Mallard. <laughs> which Yeah, for sure. That was awesome. Which was, that's when it started to become... Before that, I never said it was a season of a lifetime. Even then, I didn't say it was a season of a lifetime. But um, that's when it started to become kind of a thought in my mind. Like, oh, this season is, like, going to be hard to top. Like, I'm having a really good season, even with the stretch of skunks. And then we come out and we end the duck season like this. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we shot a ton of ducks. We shot some geese and um, got the nice old banded mallard. And, And... truth on that is we split it so i don't know all three you know we did the draw for it and i came out with the the band i don't want to be like misleading and say i shot it 100 percent um but i definitely i definitely shot the bird that was banded as well as someone else you know you can see on the shot cam we're all we're all shooting at the one bird that got closest and that's the one that landed out there and chief ran after it and it was, it was really cool um you know the chase he had on and br- bringing it back and seeing that leg kicked out right when he hands it to me and having that shiny piece of metal on there. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> gets you gets you pumped and fired up on that. So but kind of right after that, um the next hunter after that was where I had my boat fail. So we really didn't get to hunt, but you know, went on a hunt. Um but the hunt right after that, Indiana, it was New Year's Day, I believe. And we went out on a goose field hunt. And I'd filmed for the majority of the beginning of the hunt. And we get to the end, and I still have my birds left to shoot. I have I have a goose left to shoot. And uh, 
we work in a whole flock of 20. And here's the the cool thing about it, because a lot of times it, it's the situation where people shoot and a bird drops and you don't know, you know, it's a split and it's really hard to know who, everybody wants to claim it, right? Um, especially when it's got that metal piece on its leg, it's got the band. But the really cool thing about this one is that <laughs> I was the only person who shot. So it dropped, Chief brought it right to me, and immediately I see the band on its leg when it's sitting in my lap. Um, so it was just, I couldn't believe it. You couldn't believe my luck. You know, we're talking, would have been five days apart. I shoot my first duck and then my first goose band. So, so how many bands did you shoot on the whole year? So I shot three and then it was, it was actually, I shot three bands in 20 days and, uh, <laughs> and I went, you know, you know, four seasons without shooting any. And then the, you're right there, 20 days. I shoot three, and um, the next goose one I shot, I went out in a solo hunt in a field, and um, first flock comes in, and I wasn't loaded. Like, I literally pulled up, but I forgot to put shells in my gun, which that's the first time I've ever done that. Um, next flock comes up, and I whiff twice, and the third one, I I, I hit them and drop them. Um, and, yeah, it was banded, so I was the only person on there, you know, <laughs> It was really cool, too. You know, Chief got three band retrieves on the year. So, um, yeah. But, I, I mean, just kind of I'll go ahead and, and round out my season. I mean, it really just kind of put a cap on it to have such an awesome late-season goose. And there's times in that late-season goose. I was having so much fun hunting geese, you know, just just something about seeing. We had so many work-ins so good and so close and cupped in all the way. And, you know, the snow hunt I put out this week as well where me and Swamp Men went out there. We had geese just materializing. I, I put that on the title when I posted it on, on Facebook. But uh, we had geese materializing out of the snow. We could hear them honking. You could barely see, like, the haze of their bodies coming through it. And then as they get closer, you can see them, and they're just locked up the whole way. Um, and they cup in all the way. There's just something, I mean, so exciting about that. Um, <laughs> but I had I had kind of, like, little thoughts. I'm like, man, this is just as fun as duck hunting. I'm like, no, no. Shove those out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. It was. It, it was. I had. Fun. I had more fun. And I. And what I said to one of my buddies. I think I said this to Hunter. But I. I just. You know, last year I kind of like it. Kind of clicked with the late season geese, and I had a lot of fun with it. And this year it's like I gained a lot of respect for that hunting. Um, whereas in the past, I know when I first started out hunting, I'm just like, ah, it's kind of like leave it or take it. Um, but like every year where I've kind of pushed into it more kind of got better at it um and had more success you kind of gain i've gained the respect for the late season goose hunting and now it's instead of like a give or take thing it's a major part of my season um and i'm always looking forward to having these really good late season goose hunting um experiences and memories and i wouldn't do it you know i I wouldn't have it any other way at this point like it's just i mean some of my most memorable hunts and memories from the year are late season and the late season goose hunting, which I've always kind of, like I said, considered that part of the season kind of like an extra, an extra thing. And now it's just a, a continuation on to <laughs> regular duck season and the awesome um, experiences and memories we had. But yeah, even, you know, kind of finishing up the season, we went back to where I started. I started out going to Michigan. The first time I had was a late season uh, or early season goose hunt with the Michigan boys. And I ended it with a late season goose hunt in a field, uh, with the Michigan boys. And man, it was, it was really, uh, 
an asset to go to Michigan this year. Um, like I said, making new friends and making new memories with those guys. And then also just, I mean, really kind of expanding my success by traveling up there. Um, I mean, it just feels like there's a lot of birds to be had up in Michigan. And I know there's a lot of hunters and a lot of pressure. Um, but I really didn't experience that as much. I mean, that's just something you hear a lot, but it didn't really feel that way. So uh, I'm definitely glad that I've kind of expanded my range and, um, was able to, you know, put Michigan onto my, um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but add Michigan to add, my, my add hunting. To yeah. yeah. I think it's really beneficial for you from what I've seen and what you've said to continue to make trips up there into yep. Michigan. It looks like a really cool place to hunt and, and you have good success. So having that, like, like here when it was going bad, what, how far of a drive is it for you up there? Uh, just to, like to go, I mean, to some of the marshes up there, we're talking like four hours. Um, yeah. and that's a little bit of a stretch, but I mean, you can do that. You can do that on a weekend easy. Um, yeah. but like, you know, just to get up to where I hunt with, um, the Kevins, the Michigan boys, um, we're, we're talking like it's anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours. So that's like something you can do, like wake up at, you know, three in the morning and make it out there. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's been that that was the point I was getting at. It's just great to have uh, spots that every now and then you can do a little extra driving to when things are not looking good in your area. It's just really beneficial. It helps you get on a lot more birds. Oh yeah, definitely. So my my late season ended up just phenomenally. We took a some of my most memorable hunts started at Christmas where I went down to Arkansas with Joel Strickland and stayed at Cypress Crossing Lodge, and that was an experience of a lifetime. I'd never done anything like that before. I know I've talked all about it already on the podcast, but it's just, I wish that we had gotten the hot flooded timber, but that's okay. Um, we hunted, I had never hunted rice either. So the number of speckle bellies or white fronts down there was just unbelievable. And so that was, as far as my bird numbers, not overly successful, but as far as the experience, I couldn't have asked for anything more. Took my yep. wife down with me. It was just, it, Food was phenomenal. Everything about that trip was just so much fun. Then came back up here, and my dad and Aiden got on a full immersion hunt all day in a marsh with no one around us. We only shot, I think, five ducks in the entire day, but it was so satisfying fun hunt. Just had a blast on that. Then I went for the um, late season weekend out west with Tim Cochran, the waiter yoga guy, and he came down and... And I knew there were some birds there, but in my wildest dreams, I, I couldn't have expected what we got into, which was thousands and thousands of birds on day one, lesser birds on day two, but just posting down into the decoys. Phenomenal. And the Chiefs won the AFC Championship game that week. That was one of the best weekends, I got to say. <laughs> two limits back-to-back days. Perfect shooting, perfect D-point. Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. So that was really, really memorable. memorable. Then the last weekend of that season, when you were up here, um, you know, the hunting definitely could have been a lot better. But both those hunts were really memorable, um, especially the second day we laid out on the ice. I think that's the most fun I've ever had hanging out with you personally, just the two of us and Chief in there. That'll be a hunt, I think, about 30 years from now. <laughs> Remember the time the old Stromer and I laid out on the ice, you know, which I have memories like that of my dad. Those two things my dad did. Yeah. On ice and stuff. Uh-huh. So, uh, the season ended with me feeling I hadn't been feeling quite satisfied 
And then by the end, I was like, okay, at the end of the season, it just rounded it out to where there's no reason I can complain about everything that's happened this season. It's just been phenomenal times with phenomenal people and plenty of meat in the freezer, plenty of memories. So I couldn't be, I wish I'd gotten my voice out a little bit more. I guess that would be one takeaway. I, I really, there's a point where they're in high school and getting them out of bed is not easy. They don't have the fire at this point, but I do wish I had kind of pushed them to get a little bit more, but just phenomenal season. Yep. Definitely agree on that. On all cases. And yeah, um, those, those last Kansas hunts were um, definitely, like you said, very memorable. Um, and I've told that, that ice story um, multiple times since I've been back and, I'm like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, but all we did was pile some sticks up <laughs> and lay down next to them. It's just like, you know, it definitely was a lot of fun. And, um, it was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, kind of, like you said, I, I kind of want to talk about some takeaways. And for me, um, there's a couple takeaways. And one is just, just the traveling. I've never done so much traveling. That was a lot of fun to travel, even, like, more locally, not talking just about Kansas. Um, but, you know, um, you get to see so many different ways people hunt and so many different ways to hunt. And, you know, from laying down on the ice, piling up the sticks to getting out in the marsh and learning all about Michigan bogs. And, um, I mean, you name it. It's just I, I've done – I did so many different things this year that I've never done as far as style of hunting. And that really keeps it interesting because um, I don't know if there's – I wonder how everyone else thinks about this or everyone's style of hunting. You know, there's people that just field hunt. And when I, when I thought about duck hunting before I started, I kind of thought it was like going to be almost generic. Like you do something similar all the time, but really it's not. I look back at my 52 hunts this year and there's such a wide variety and array of different things that I tried from, you know, um, kayak hunting to my boat hunting to um, field hunting to a-frame hunting to layout hunting to permanent blind hunting to just sitting in the sticks to sitting on marshes sitting in cattails um, it's just crazy then it's like one hunt there's never two hunts that are the same and even the way the birds work in or you you know you have we had birds that just swam into our set from <laughs> from up the river and then the next one you know decoys right in off the left and you've never seen a bird work in that way. And, um, I don't know. It's just, you know, crazy kind of looking at the season and all the different experiences and all the different ways that we hunted. And, um, I definitely feel very fulfilled after this season. Yeah. And that's one thing I always say about duck and I love is every environment is just so different. Yep. I mean, you go to trees, you got plains, you got rivers. Like you look at that when we were on the, the Kansas river and what that environment was like, Versus the first hunt during the teal season, we're in the A-frame on those little mud flats. I mean, it's just so visually different. Everything's so visually different. You know, in my in my stat logs, I've got like 45 unique places that I've hunted in the past, you know, yep. uh, 12 years. I mean, it's just really neat thing about it, you're right, is the diversity. Yeah, and I think on my stats this year, I was looking at that um, earlier in the season, and I'm, I'm trying to think back. We didn't hunt a lot of places similar in late season goose, but um, my the number of times I hunted one place more than once, you know, or I'm, I'm saying that wrong, but um, the most I hunted any place was I hunted um, one place four times. I might have hunted 
two different places four times out of my 52 hunts. But it's just, like you said, there's so many unique different places that I hunted this season. And it's, yeah, it's just crazy that I guess the, the number of different things you see while you're hunting and experience and, um, yeah, it's just awesome. And then kind of to add on that a little bit, um, the number of all day hunts I had, I don't know if I ever all day hunted before this year. And then this year it was like, I don't know, something changed in me. And like, cause it would have been, I think it would have been a struggle in the past all day hunt. Um, mm-hmm. like you might get bored or all like, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I all day hunted so many times this year, which is just crazy for me. Yeah. It's a totally different experience than that. I love it. I love it. And I love doing, um, yeah, I really do love doing all day hunts. And I know you, I've, I know you've said in the past, like, um, it's kind of depressing going home in the dark. And I definitely can and, and agree with that and see with that, but it's also fulfilling when you wait, when you've waited all day and you, you kind of limit out the last minute or something like that too. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of both ends on that. Obviously you hope you limit out, but some like sometimes, those were my most enjoyable hunts when it took us all day. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So you're stringing out the enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's being in that environment you love, mm-hmm. and you're slowly filling your bag limit, and you're content. And you're like, well, you know, about every 45 minutes, we're going to get a group. And just watching everything happen in the marsh is way more gratifying than 25 minute limit. You know. Yep. Although those are fun sometimes as well. But yeah. I don't know if I'd say I'll way more those. gratifying. It's a different, it's like, um, like you said, like strung out kind of enjoyment opposed to like almost like a roller coaster when you're like drop from the top high, high point, and, and it's just nonstop fast speed as you shoot your yeah. limit in 25 minutes. And, and like you said, there's there's pros and cons to both of them. Um, they're both a lot of fun. I'll say that for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I probably said that too strongly. Certainly, <laughs> let me have Especially if I've got something to do. There's some days where I want to finish early, where it's like, man, uh-huh. I got a lot of stuff on my plate. I got to work tomorrow. I would love just to get in out of here in an hour and shoot the limit, you know. And then there's other days where like, I got nothing going on, you know. Yeah. But all heavy success is certainly gratifying too. And then the other thing I'll say, um, the last takeaway I got, um, well, Another takeaway I got, I don't want to say last yet, because I keep thinking of more we things. We got questions but... to answer, man. We got questions <laughs> to answer. But um, the, the takeaway I was going to say is that the trips I really enjoy, and I think you kind of hit on this earlier, um, experiencing like when you have like a whole kind of weekend set aside where it's almost like a mission of duck hunting. And I, and I went on mm-hmm. a solo trip this year out to Kansas. And it was, or not, not out to Kansas, out to Michigan. Um, and that one was really unique because I went out and camped. You know, went to different spots that I'd never been, you know, met up with people. But it was just like, I don't know. It was, <laughs> it, it's just kind of uh, a different experience, as you'd say. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're probably right. Let's go ahead and, and uh, you know, wrap up the, the closing of the season there and, and or the review of the season. An awesome season. And um, let's go ahead and we answer some of these questions we got. So let's just buzz through these real quick. I don't know why I said that in super slow-mo, but uh, <laughs> um, honest reviews of equipment you've used. Well, all of our reviews are honest. I promise you that. <laughs> um, but let's just, I guess let's just both pick one item to review. Um, I'll say a big one for both of us this season is um, switching over to Boss Shot Shells. 
Um, kind of the review on that um, is I definitely give it the thumbs up on that. Definitely knocks down the birds better having um, a more dense load shot at birds, more dense pellets, uh, more dense pattern. Um, so, I, I mean, my honest review on that is that you definitely see an increase. There is an increased cost in it from steel, but I definitely believe that the increase in cost, if you can afford it. Now, if you can't afford it, like, um, I, you're just not going to be as efficient with it. But, I mean, with, with steel opposed to, to bismuth, because there's no doubt about it, um, the science behind it, you know, kind of proves that fact that it, it that it works better than steel. So if you got the money, I'd 100% say it's worth the investment. I would too. I'm, I'm, I know in my, I'm having problems putting the words, my feelings on it because I don't quite, I can't, I can't back up with numbers how I feel about it. Cause I look at my last year's numbers. I shot 57% lost two birds. I look at this year's numbers. I shot 55% lost two birds. So the numbers would tell me, well, I didn't shoot any better with box than I did with steel. But I don't understand why my numbers don't show out what I know I saw with my eyes. I'm very skeptical before I believe things. I never just see things and believe them. Yeah. But I can tell you that at times in which I had to extend my range a little bit, and for me that's 35 to 40, 35 to 45 yards if I ever extend it, I was killing birds dead like I never have before. Um, so I, I after about midway through. I just felt like when I pulled the trigger, birds died. And I'm a, I'm a believer in it. I don't want to, I do not want to go back to steel. I, I'll be fine if I do go back to steel, but I don't want to. I want to stay with Boston. I want to stay with the business. I know the science is behind these softer, heavier metals. You know, if you hit, it's just like if you hit something with a whiffle bat versus a wood bat, which one hurts more. I mean, it's basically as simple as that, really. Now, That's a good way of putting it. And, and yeah, kind of on the kind of on the percentage thing too. Um, I mean, if you miss a bird, it doesn't matter what you're shooting. So, <laughs> yeah, I would expect to have a few less lost birds, but I mean, I'm so careful with my shot selection, I just don't lose birds. Yeah. So I I would be willing to bet you that I killed more birds solid on the first shot, and I know one particular day where I had to start opening up my range to about 35 yards that. I wounded a couple birds on that day that I ended up getting, and I was thinking in my mind, I was thinking, now if that was steel, would would that bird have flown away, sailed 200 yards? Would I have not retrieved that bird? I just know that when I pulled the trigger, birds just crumbled better than with steel. Yep. And I know that you know this, maybe some of the listeners don't. For me, just to say that without data behind it is a big thing, because I'm very skeptical at all times. And I'm hard to get to just endorse something like that. But it's, it's just the truth. Yep. Yep. So let's go ahead and next one. Let's see. Uh, worst, most memorable hunts of the season and uh, funniest moments. And someone mentioned uh, crawling in the mud for sure. So, yeah, me di- diving after the till was, I think, uh, a pretty – that has to top the season for me is the um, uh, definitely the funniest moment. I know for sure that I laughed. That's I laughed the hardest on that moment than any other time of the year at a hunt. There's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, I did not expect that first dive come to that field. And when you know, <laughs> I lost it. And I can't believe that I got as good a footage of it as I did. 
and very, very how hard I was laughing. Yeah. So that was certainly probably the most memorable. Yeah, uh, yeah, your worst hunt. What's your worst or most miserable hunt? I think I can think of one um, for you. Um, I know there was a couple that just automatically sticks out. One was the day after we had the really good teal hunt that came out of nowhere. The mosquitoes were like bats. They were so big and they were just overwhelming us. There was another one where my dad and I went out on a teal hunt. and I was trying to enjoy it, but I was struggling. And I didn't really want to be there. We didn't see a teal all day. Um, what were you thinking of? I was thinking when uh, you took your son and he had to like crawl. He literally couldn't get across. Oh, the yeah. That hunt itself, there was enjoyable aspects of that hunt. But yeah, that that was physically. <laughs> I, I don't ever want to do that. Again. And yeah. I, I can, I don't ever, I don't remember. There's only a couple times <clears throat> in my life where I've done so much physically duck hunting that I was like, I don't ever want to do that again. And that was certainly in that range. Now, I would do it again probably if I thought I was going to shoot a limit or something. But, I mean, I would have to be really geeked up at the moment. That was absolutely awful. I thought we were only going to be pulling over like 25 yards a month. It ended up being like 100. <laughs> and Yeah, that was horrible. My, my most memorable was also had to do with mud. Or not memorable, worst time had to do with mud. It's actually the the hunt where I shot the band, which it was it was so hard. Like we had so much crap that we brought and it was it was like snow with like a a layer of mud that hadn't frozen. So every time you try to push like the snow and the mud would slide and like we it was such a struggle to get out there and it was a stru- such a struggle to get back to the trucks after that. Cuz we couldn't bring in like uh any vehicles, we couldn't bring in nothing to get out there so it was so and it was like uphill to pull and we're like pulling a frames and pulling dozens of decoys and i mean that was the hardest i worked all season maybe ever in a hunt um but you know in the end we we shot our limits and i shot a band so it was an awesome hunt but it it was a miserable setup it was an awesome hunt um and i do it again because obviously we shot our limit shot the band um but yeah as far as most memorable, man, I don't know. It might it might be the it might be the where I shot the the banded mallard. That was that's gonna I mean, this definitely has to be super memorable. I mean, a duck band is not not a dime a dozen whatsoever. We had a great hunt, hunting uh, an awesome spot with the Michigan boys, and just seeing that ba- that banded mallard, man, it's it's gonna be a uh, riding in my brain forever. So. That was an awesome one. Yeah, but I'm due. It's been a while for me. I got back-to-back years. I got Mount Drake's banded in really memorable locations, but it's been a long time since I've even see it, seen a duck band. <laughs> I hope you, you know, get one soon, man. Me too. Me too. Uh, the other thing that sticks out in my head is just the courage of my dad at 76 to keep up with all of us and to be out there and to be doing what he does at that age. It's, I've got a lot to live up to if I'm going to be able to, to be going as strong as he is for the next 30 years. So that certainly sticks out to me. Those are really memorable times to have him out with us and, and <laughs> seeing him still getting enjoyment from it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. If I'm doing that well at 70, I really hope I am. I hope I'm still hunting ducks. 
Okay. Um, let's go on to the next one. Um, do you enjoy, and I, I really like this question a lot, and I've actually, I think I've talked about it with you. I've talked about it with multiple people because this is something I've thought about a lot. Um, but do you enjoy hunting more when you find the spots yourself on public land or shooting a few ducks and, and shooting a few ducks or shooting a lot of ducks at someone else's spot? So they take that first or you want to go first? You can go ahead. I'm, I almost think we 100% agree on it. So you, I'll let you go ahead. Okay. So yeah, this is actually, I sat down with Aiden, I call Golden Boy. We had a long conversation about this because there are a significant number of YouTubers, I call it piggybacking. And uh, they're constantly finding other people to take them out and having a lot of success doing it. So they're piggybacking all, all season. And there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with that. You use your resources to get out and, and to hunt and to get on birds and everything. But I like nothing better. And I will I will, I piggybacked a few times this year, and um, so it's not I'm not talking negatively about it. But that being said, finding your own spots and being in your own spots, you know, they become very personal to me. Like Jordan, where we hunted on that ice place. That's that's the most personal waterfowl spot I, I have. Do you want me to say I the name? Heart, nope. Well, I, say, <laughs> I call it Pelican. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I named it before the state named it. So my name goes. Um, but there's something just so gratifying about putting in the work, finding the birds on your own, and having that spot and shooting birds on your spot. It makes a big difference in my mind. Not that I won't enjoy a hunt if I'm out piggybacking, because you will, but there's just something about it being your bird, your spot, your work. Yeah. Yeah. I can think of one time particular this year where you piggybacked and it's pretty sure it's when you had me out to Kansas and kind of had me do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, I 100% um, prefer to find the birds myself. There's something more fulfilling about the process of, I mean, when you earned it and I kind of to put this into thoughts. I know my dad had this goal at the end of the year where he wanted to get on a solo hunt and shoot some birds and it didn't end up happening. Um, but he actually got on a hunt the last day of the season when I was up in Michigan and he'd been trying a few times to get out on a solo hunt and make it happen. Um, but he ended up running in some, into some guys and they hunted together and they shot their three man limit. But if he would have been out there himself, he probably would have shot his, his limit and felt real good about, it's kind of something like it's like you earned it, right? Someone mm -hmm. didn't spoon feed it to you. I mean, you yeah. had to get out there. You had to call the birds yourself. You had to make all the decisions yourself for your spread. You had to make the decisions for your hide when things went wrong. You had to be the one to figure out, you know, how to make it work. And so, I mean, there's something huge about that and something really fulfilling, especially going out on public land. Kind of, I think of it as, um, like me and Swamp Man when we went out to Michigan for the Central Zone opener. And we went out there, and we persevered. Like the beginning of the hunt, we were in the wrong spot. We played the wind wrong. We didn't adjust right, and we shot. Our shooting was bad, too. You know, a lot of things were working against us. And we shot four birds to start off, and we shot, we readjusted, or we moved, readjusted, um, and then we were able to shoot, um, you know, just too shy of our, our two-man limit um, by the end of the hunt. And so – it was out in public land. We'd never been there before. We did have um, some help, you know, with the location. But as far as, I mean, it was huge marsh. So beyond that, you know, it was something that kind of we earned. 
at the end of the day. Um, and there's something really fulfilling to that opposed to someone telling you, hey, I got the birds, show up um, at 6.30, and we'll walk out to the blind throughout the decoys and shoot our limit by 7.30. So, I mean, for me, it is really fun to have, and I'm kind of exaggerating on that because that doesn't happen a lot. But, like, you can see the two extremes there. Um, and, like, there's nothing against everybody who there's – a, there's a lot of people who public land hunt. I'm not saying anything against that. Like, if that's your stick, that's what you love to do, um, then more power to you. But, like, for me, it, it just feels like a journey and a grind, and I don't know. I don't know how – I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining how I feel about it. But there's just, like – it's almost like food tastes better when you like make the meal yourself or something. Well, that's probably mm-hmm. not true. Sure. Yep. <laughs> if no, you put the hard work into it. It's like yeah. the fruits of your labor. Yeah, but if there's a really good cook, it's still gonna taste really good. But uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same thing. You know, yeah. with me, my dad growing up, it was always my dad. My dad knew the spots, my dad was always in charge of even when I got in to college, it was like, All right, go home to hunt. Dad had him scouted out and and so when I got on my own and then I was able to develop my own places, I know that that was when I finally felt like, okay, you know, I, I felt like a real, I remember feeling like a waterfowl, feeling like a real waterfowl. Like I don't need my dad. I don't need those people. I can find yep. them. I can scout them. I can do it, you know, and that's, and that's meaningful. Yeah. It's like when you have your, a successful hunt where you did everything and like, I mean, it's really hard to have that like on your first year. Like, let's say you go out on a solo hunt your first year, you don't know how to call, you're unsure about the decoys, the birds work in, they flare, you don't know. But like once you've kind of got past all that and you and you have successful hunts on your own, you've earned your stripes. And it's still yep. fulfilling, you know, later on, anytime you do that. I mean, I'm sure it gets less fulfilling once you've already I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh yeah. So that that's my thoughts on it anyway. Hopefully I didn't yep. make too many people mad. No, I don't I don't know why I would be mad about any of that. <laughs> well, there's... But I guess people are mad about everything, so... Yeah, you're right. Um, what equipment will you be adding next season that you um, would that would have been helpful this season? Um, for me, it's getting the boat up and running, getting a motor that is consistently working. Um, that'll be huge for me, opening up um, places that are further away from the boat ramp on public land. Um, so that's going to be the big thing for me. How about you, Elliot? I don't know that I have any needs as far as adding equipment. I think maybe, actually, if, if I could get a big uh, netted tarp, it would really help. Our, our old ones that we used to make ship blinds out of big netted tarps. Like when we were on the river that time, five years ago, we would have pulled out the tarp and we just would have made that whole brush thing cover. We just would have used it to completely brush it in. So I, that could probably uh, use uh, get in a new net. And I would say having my layout lines, not my boats, but my layout lines and my A-frame brushed early season because I didn't really, I never got my layout lines brushed. Um, and there's a couple times I might have used them had I had them brushed. And then the A-frame, same thing. I didn't have a brush till late season. And I know when you don't have things fully prepared like that, you're not quite as likely just to use it because, you know, you've got an hour of work to get it ready. Yep. So I'd I say those that. are the only two things I want to have done early, but I don't really have any equipment um, that I'm looking to add. Gotcha. All right. Adrian asks, will you guys come goose hunt with us in central Kansas next year? 
it's quite a drive for me. Um, get a hold of Elliot though, and yeah, you got a big pile of birds. It might be hard for him to turn down. Depends on where it is in Central Kansas, how many guys there are, when it is, stop selection. I don't know if you heard this or not, but Elliot's a huge fan of piggybacking. If we're not shooting them at 60 plus, <laughs> I'm not coming. Um, I watched a video today, and I'm not going to say whose video it was. It was knowing the flyways collected. They, should, they took shots so high at these geese that they were in disbelief when they when two came out of the sky. Mm. They were they were utterly in disbelief that they had actually dropped what they were shooting at. So that that would be that <laughs> up <thing>, guys. Yeah. <laughs> if you were so astonished that you actually were able to kill it that you're screaming and yelling, then you're not even thinking about the fact that you're probably wounding a half the flock at twenty five. Yeah. And I do want to have a talk sometime as off topic. I want to have a talk sometime about narrow down our thoughts on what the value of a duck or a goose's life is. Because some people act like it's got the same value as a rock. And I just I would love to have that conversation where we could flesh that out and get people thinking about that. Yeah. I definitely agree. All right. Um Nate or er, Nate says, seems like I learned something every hunt. Um, that I want to utilize next season. What is one thing you took away or learned from the season that, that you will utilize next season? Um, I mean, for me, talking about the long hunts, it's like persistent pays off. Persistence pays off. Um, I learned about trafficking geese as well, and I definitely ran out of time to to play that out more. So I guess those those things. Um, Really a fan of sticking out the hunts and also really want to get better at trafficking these. Elliot? Well, I've had this plan the last few years of on days where the wind is under five miles an hour going with really small sets, like six ducks to a dozen decoys with a lot of motion in that. And I got away from that. I think that one thing on our river hunt, we had no wind. If you look at that video, there's no ripples on that water. And not once did we say, hey, let's significantly reduce the size of this decoys and try to get more motion in it. We never even said that. And I know better. And it was foolish of us to not even consider that. Yeah. So I've got to stick at my game plan when there's no wind, very few decoys with as much splashing and motion in that small little group as possible. And I've got to stick with that because my numbers on days where there's not hardly any wind not including field season. It's just, it's hard, man. It's so difficult when there's no wind. That's way bigger factor than one of your cloudy guys. Way bigger factor. Mm-hmm. So, got to do better at that. All right. Um, what what it truly takes to record hunts. Um, you know, more than, it says, how, how much more work compared to just recording with a GoPro on your head. Man, so I can answer this pretty well because at the end of the season, actually, after I lost my uh, my GoPro <laughs> Kansas, I've just been recording one with my head in the vlog camera. Um, honestly, you could, I mean, you could record with just a GoPro and, like, your cell phone. You really could. Um, but it's really more than just recording. Like, you got to be able to tell a story with it to make it riveting and exciting. And, um, you know, and a lot of times it's just remembering to push record and I think that the biggest thing that I leave out a lot of times is I need to just 
pick up the big camera as much as possible because the footage is way better than that than the GoPro and the head wobbling around. So, I mean, you could do it with just a GoPro, but as far as, like, time, I mean, we're talking, like, hours and hours more than just a GoPro on the head. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, of time and work that goes into that. Yeah. And I'd say it fundamentally changes your experience. And then, and you know, everything that you see that's cool, you are now thinking, how can I look through a lens to get that for other people to see instead of, just gazing at what you're seeing in awe and wonder of whatever it is and soaking it in, your first thought is, I've got to look through a little lens to get this when you're not using a GoPro. Yep. And so it fundamentally changes your experience. And I'm and some of it's for the better and and some of it's not. Um, it it people don't understand when you're recording every single hunt that you go on, it you're giving up a lot. You're getting a lot but you're definitely, it's a sacrifice. It absolutely is a sacrifice. But mm-hmm. Jordan and I are both feel like that the pros outweigh the cons or we wouldn't be doing it. But don't kid yourself. It is certainly a sacrifice. Yep. Um, who out of the Flyways Collective has bragging rights for best shooting? Um, that's a hard one. We've talked about that a few times. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't feel like, I mean, I don't know. Everybody who duck hunts misses a lot. I'm definitely going to say it's not me. Um, you know, Matt's got his, his gift down there, and I don't, I don't think it's Matt. <laughs> um, and maybe Matt because he sits next to Devin, who just smacks him all the time. I think uh, Devin would win if he was in the Flyways Collective. Um, and it's just so hard to say because we all have different shooting opportunities and selections. Um Whereas, you know, California, this is no knock on the California guys, but it seems like the, they have trouble with getting the birds worked in with just the number of, the amount of pressure and number of hunters they have. And, I mean, there's so many people that live in California, it's ridiculous. So, um, you know, it's just kind of hard to compare that to when you you got the, the rural hunting in Kansas. Like when we go out to an unsaid marsh in central Kansas, I mean, we barely see people. And so those ducks barely see people too. So... Um, and I really can't judge Elliot's cause I haven't seen him shoot a ton on the hunts I've been on with him. Like I said earlier, I mean, they've been pretty gracious to let me take the shots a lot of times and, you know, um, pretty fortunate for that on my trips out there, but I haven't seen Elliot shoot a lot, you know, off video. And I think that you got to see somebody shoot off video to really judge it, um, accurately. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't feel like I can give anybody the bragging rights. I don't. I don't feel like I can be the judge of that. But for sure, I'll say it's not me, though. I could say on the Flyway Collective hunts, everyone shot confidence. There was no one that I hunted with that I was like, "Oh, this is awkward. This guy can't shoot." Everyone. Everyone shot just fine. Everyone was killing the birds they should kill. Um, I know Thomas struggled a little bit on that one day, but that was just one day, and he he did fine. Um, so I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I know I was shooting really well during the Flyways Collective, but I've had spurts. Everybody, I've had a, a good year for myself this year, but everybody has spurts where all of a sudden you just like, well, what happened? And then you lose your confidence, and it, it's 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 weird how shooting is such a mental thing. Yeah. It could be the difference of you losing your confidence, and then you can't hit birds for the next three hunts, and all of a sudden you hit one, and then man, you're just back on. So, um, but yeah. I'm straying away from the the, the well, question. I can tell you, I am not a great length shooter. If I were just to take all sorts of passing shots, 
I would shoot a very low percentage. I'm so careful with my shot selection, so I shoot really, really well. But I'm I'm naturally when it comes to hard shots, fast shots, quick shots, I'm not a, I'm not a great shot. Um, I don't know if having one eye instead of two, one eye closed instead of both open because I'm left eye dominant may as a factor or not. But I certainly can promise I'm not the best shooter out of all of those guys. <laughs> all right. Elliot, let's turn this into lightning round. We need to speed it up okay. um, right. and crank some of these out. So favorite memory from the season, I'll say hunting with my dad just in general. Um, it would be the weekend where we shot so many mallards. That will probably stick out the most from the season. And favorite bird harvest this season will definitely be my banded mallard. I'd say shooting the speckle bellies was really big to me, and then the – the Scott, the bluebill we shot. I hadn't shot one in so long. I'd been wanting to shoot one. Yeah. So that was really, that was really big. I was so, uh, you could probably tell how excited I was to shoot those. That was, <laughs> oh, that was yeah. Fun. Oh, on a perfect decoy, too. So, yeah. Definitely helps. Um, and then big summer plans fishing, camping, um, African safari. Uh, for me, it's going to be, um, taking the annual steelhead trip and salmon trip. That'll be all the way in the fall. Um, and then um, I'm really looking forward to shooting another turkey. Uh, we're going up to the Sandhills in Nebraska again in June, meeting Matt from Hyper Sportsman's up there again. So that's becoming an annual trip, and catching pike up there and camping is one of my favorite things to do out of the whole year. All right. And then pros and cons of hunting during your pre-content creating years versus hunting now. That kind of plays into what you had up there before. Um, for me, I never did it. I've, I've literally never hunted before content creation of myself, which is a really way, weird way to get into it. Um, but I literally recorded my first hunts. Um, so, yeah, I can't I can't speak on that. Elliot? Uh, yeah, the pros, the pros are coming home and be able to sit down and relive the hunt when you're on the couch through video and watching it and building an audience is exciting and getting partners that will people that want to send you stuff and partner with you that's really exciting and um all of that i say and even in 10 15 years having all these hunts on video that i can go and relive them that's the number one pro the con is what i talked about before and that's sacrificing the experience and not only that, when you're posting everything online, there's constant criticism of you. You can't do anything without someone saying something on YouTube. And the pressure to shoot more birds and more limits becomes a little annoying. Before before shooting, I was just to the point where I was completely into the experience. And I really didn't worry about it. Once I started posting everything, you, you really feel like everyone else is shooting limits. you got to keep up and, and mm-hmm. you got to get birds. And that's probably the biggest con. Yep. Um, Matt Lee, Mr. High Prairie Sportsman himself, did I win the bet? Um, and the bet, I'm assuming he's talking about 10K, um, the 10K challenge we, we got going on. And we're both not there yet, so we, we might not be yeah. there till early season. Who knows? Yeah, what's he talking about? I don't know. Where so, are you at? Where are you, who's winning? He's up by like 70 or something. So, Ooh, honestly, I got a, I got a feeling he's going to win. This is how I see it playing out. So, you guys listening, go ahead and go to Duck Gun Chronicles. If you're new and haven't heard the challenge, me and Matt are racing to 10K subscribers over on YouTube. 
Um, and we're both in the upper 7,000s right now. Um, and it's been a tight battle. Um, he was actually – I was ahead, and then last season he got ahead by a few hundred, I believe. And then or maybe it was, it was actually over 1,000. Yeah, it was over 1,000. And this season I actually brought it back and got the lead by a couple hundred, and then he took the lead again by a couple hundred, and now it's back to neck and neck pretty much. And um, this last week it was it was down to like 30, and I thought I was going to take the lead again, and I didn't. And then he's kind of started to gain a little bit more, and it's right around 70, I believe, or 50 or something like that. But anyways, it's close. So if you're new here, go over to Duckling Chronicles and hit that sub button and go double-check and see if you're subscribed to Matt and unsubscribe. Don't do that part. I'm just joking. It's a friendly challenge. We both are fighting hard um, for it, though, and we got a bet at the end. Um, hey, <laughs> we, maybe we should meet in Nebraska uh, for teal hunting this year, up around where Aiden was hunting last year, and we can that way you can jump on some of those teal hunts early, <laughs> even the week before Kansas season. Over. That's about what I was going to say, because um, this is how I see it playing out, because they have awesome turkey hunting. They can shoot, like, three turkeys in Nebraska. His videos for turkey hunting last year did really well, and then I'm like, over here in Indiana, we can shoot one, um, and we bear, we don't, we just don't have the same wildlife and habitat as Nebraska. No knock on Indiana, really. I mean, Nebraska's got it really good, um, so I'm just a little jealous. But that being said, I feel like he's gonna have a really good early season. Then he's got all the teal hunting and all that he can do, and then where I come back into play is I get some awesome early hunt hunts in Michigan. But by then, if he's already hit 10k, the race will be over. So. Who knows? Who knows what's going to play out, but I'm hoping that's not the case. So I'm going to need everybody from the podcast. Give me a little help here. So I think we hit North Central Nebraska for TLC. Let's do it. That first weekend. Yep. Let's try to plan it. I don't want to go clear out to where Matt is because it's just too far away. I can go three hours and say this is like nine hours oh, wow. away from me. It's a long way. But he's clear out almost by Wyoming. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, And then... Let's finish this lightning round off. We only got a few left, but um, will Georgie be going to training school or self-trained? She is in the process of being self-trained. Um, Chris Jobman offered to have her there with him, but I, I love this little dog, and I want this dog bonded to me from that six months to year phase. And obviously, if I if Chris Jobman trained her for six months versus me, she'd be a much better dog. There's no doubt about it. But I will get her to a respectful level. I, I will. I will. She'll be steady. She'll be taking some dancing. She won't be, you know, a grand champion level dog like what Chris could get her to, but I will be able to do the job with her. And I want her here in the home with me. Man, I am so in love with that little dog. Oh yeah. my gosh, I'm in love with her. She's little, I, and I love her size. She's little, and she's, my gosh, I took her out two days ago. And, you know, when you hunt a dog, sometimes they're more into it than others. She's always into it. Yep. Yeah. This time, it's like she was so fast. I could, she was like a blur. She was insane. That dog is. She's something else. So, yeah, she's here with me, and I'm, I'm getting a shot collar here real soon, and I'll do what I can. Awesome. All right. And then Ken asks, when is Oak Nuts going to own the nickname and start opening with it? <laughs> yep, that's what I'd like to know. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Whenever I have Poison Ivy, I will start the shows with that that name until it's healed, <laughs> and then I'll go back to normal. And So you guys will always know when I have Poison Ivy. 
the majority of the time you'll be here. All summer and fall <laughs> till it dies, and then I'll be good. He just keep his hands out of his pants so much we wouldn't have this problem. Mm. If only if, if only it was thumb. that simple. <laughs> How else is it getting on your nuts? Um, it just gets. It's not like it's only on my nuts. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's literally everywhere. I get poison ivy so bad. Like my face swells up when I get it. You gotta keep your hands out of your pants, pal. <laughs> All right, um, Kevin, making a little—I don't think this is a question, but I'm gonna—I'm um, gonna read it anyway. Things you might have to rescue when hunting with Jordan, in this order so far: camera. So I'll, I'll explain each one: camera, canoe, boat, and phone. So. <laughs> And my just my trips to Michigan, that's the things that have gone wrong this year. So on the first, no, the second weekend I hunted with them, I just left my camera out there in the field, and they had to go back and get it for me and meet me somewhere and give me my camera. Um, then we went on a hunt, and we're taking pictures, and I turn around and look, and my canoe just full of all my gears floating out into the middle of the lake. <laughs> and then... My boat dies, and we literally have to get somebody to come to a different boat launch as we float there and rescue us there. And then on the last hunt of the season, I drop my phone out in the field, and I have to get one of them to go back to the field the next day while I'm at um, at home on the computer and ping it um, and have the alarm go off and they can find it. So thank you guys in Michigan for your patience and <laughs> dealing with me. It's definitely been a fiasco. Um but yeah, so I think that kind of wraps it up. Um, I guess last, if we want to say real quick, if we got any goals we can think of for off season going into the next season. Might just organize all my stuff, have it completely. I, I just need a new organization system for my garage and make sure everything's accounted for, everything's clean, everything. That's really my off season. Other yep. than that, is getting Georgie ready for hunting. Yeah, that that is that's goal number one, mm-hmm. and make sure I'm not taking days off, and make sure that I'm watching the videos, the Freddie King videos, and and really push forward. You know, I'm I'm representing Flatlander Kennels, and I do not want to let them down. Have my dog look like a mess in the field. <laughs> so, yeah, that is absolutely. I, I she is very trainable, and I think if I stick on it, she'll be just fine. But you know, that's that's goal number one through ten. Is that little dog. Awesome, yeah. I'm on the I'm on the same boat still. I, I still got stuff I can increase with Chief. We did he did really good this year. Um, overall, looking at the season as a whole, I mean, spectacular. Like I was proud of him so much. Um, I really hate that the last hunt was uh, a little frustrating, and aggravating because that's all I can think about now. And I'm gonna have to think about that off off season, all off season. Which maybe that's a good thing. It'll keep me motivated to keep on the training. But I definitely want to have increased learning um, with him, you know, get on the hand signals, the braking, which is, it feels like that stuff I said last year too, but like overall he's done so much better, but like, I just want to be stricter and um, I don't know, just fine tune him. You know, he's got the drive and he's done really good on lots of hunts. Now it's just getting him where he wants, where I want him to be. Um, Side note, he turned four yesterday. So. He's got a lot left in him. He's got a lot left. I think, I feel like after this season, I should have him where I want him to be. So who knows? After after this off season, next season, 
Um, and then the other big thing for me, I really want to get that boat up. I want to get the blind on it, everything ready to go. It's kind of like you said with everything. Um, if you just have it prepared and ready to go, so much more likely to use it and use it successfully. So it's getting that boat up and running and getting chief fine-tuned. Those are my big off-season goals. So Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. All righty. Well, this is another long one, Elliot. <laughs> um, yeah. But I guess this is a perfect time to wrap it up before I lose my voice completely. Um, any last words before we sign off here? Nope. I got nothing. All righty. Thanks, fellas, for joining in, sticking with us for another episode. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys on the next one.